Greetings to everyone. Today we begin a new series entitled Sri Aurobindo's Poetry. And we begin with Ahana, the dawn of God. And here is the opening to Ahana. Ahana, the dawn of God, descends on the world where amid the strife and trouble of mortality, the hunters of joy, the seekers after knowledge, the climbers in the quest of power are toiling up the slopes or waiting in the valleys. As she stands on the mountains of the east, voices of the hunters of joy are the first to greet her. And I greet you tonight. <laughs> Uh, this is a hexameter, so it's a very different rhythm. I'll begin with the first few lines, and we'll take it from yes. there. Vision delightful alone on the hills whom the silences cover. Closer yet lean to mortality. Human, stoop to thy lover. Wonderful. Gold like a moon in the square of the sun where thou strayest, glimmers thy face amid crystal purities. Mighty thou playest, soul on the peaks of the world, unafraid of thy loneliness. Glances leap down from, <clears throat> glances leap from thee down to us, dream seas and light falls and magical trances. Sun drops flake from thy eyes, and the heart's caverns packed are with pleasure, strange like a song without words, or the dance of a measureless measure. Wow. <clears throat> so, uh, this poem, Sherbindo says that it's an, a rhymed quantitative hexameter. So, as we know that in English poetry you have these two meters, any poetry for that matter, qualitative and quantitative. And very roughly, qualitative is where there is a, the, the, the meter is decided by the stress on the syllables. And here it's not based on the stress or the non-stress, but on the weight of the word or, or the vowel particularly. So it's decided by that. Now weight is depending on how we really pronounce it. So in, in uh, Sanskrit, it's easy to have this meter, like the most ancient uh, quantitative meter is documented is in the Rig Vedas. So Rig Veda has a quantitative meter. You can have that. Then subsequently in Greek and Arabic literature. It's very difficult to do it in English. Shabindo says that. <laughs> oh, people have written treatises on yes. the impossibility of English hexameter. Exactly. There is, there is a whole letter of Shabindo that it's really oh. very difficult to do it. But he says it's not impossible. And he has done it. So to start with, you know, uh, it's a very difficult labor. Unlike Savitri, which is in qualitative meter. This is a quantitative meter. And iambic pentameter, where yes. this is hexameter. Hexameter. And it rhymes. So, you know, you'll have these two, two lines which will go one after another. But most importantly, it is very, very exquisitely beautiful and powerful oh, poem. At least yes. one of my favorites. And if after Savitri, there are any two poems that I love... It is Ahana and Ilion. So I'm just, <laughs> I just enjoy this. So as we have seen, Ahana is the dawn of God. And in the Vedas, he's called as Usha. 
She is the first goddess who is invoked by the rishis who will come and even before she brings illumination, she brings hope and joy. Even physically we see the same symbol. Before you see the light of the day, you feel a stir inside. You know it's morning, you feel fresh, you feel ah, uh, you know you look forward to the day. So she brings hope, she brings power, she brings renewed effort and then yes the light comes. So here the another beautiful thing about this poem i'm just slightly comparing with savitri in savitri savitri has to deal with the stark resistance of death to establish it here here it's those who are aspiring and they want the dawn of god to be established here upon earth she comes and then as shubindu says once more there was the light of earthly day she fades back earth cannot sustain the dawn forever so here they are aspiring and what a beautiful aspiration there is you know through these seekers shobindo has poured his heart all that must have gone on inside him he is representing the seekings of humanity through the eons and that's how it starts and he says the hunters of joy hunters the seekers of joy. after knowledge and climbers in the quest of power they are waiting for ahna the dawn of god and here after that initial beautiful description tread through the edges of dawn over twilight's gray hidden margin over twilight's gray lidded margin heal earth's unease with thy feet o heaven born delicate virgin none can really mate with her she is so powerful and just like in savitri he calls savitri that come down upon earth's floor where we lie now you know there is a description of the human condition amazingly powerful children of time whose spirits came down from eternity seizing joys that escape us yoked by our hearts to a labor unceasing earth bound torn with the longings our life is a brief incompleteness look the marvel of this two oh, words yes. it's brief it's incomplete but there is a suggestion as if it's going to be complete this mm. is the beauty of these two words our life is a brief incompleteness something which was happening and suddenly seems to stop thou has the stars to sport with the winds run like bees to thy sweetness art thou not heaven bound even as i with the earth has thou ended all desirable things in a stillness lone and unfriended what a beautiful thing that yes we are bound by the earth but you too are bound bound by the heaven's glory you can't come down on earth see this is another kind of bondage and the ishish upanishad speaks about these two bondages one is this bondage to the lower hemisphere another is bondage to the higher hemisphere the gods they are bound by they can't descend on earth because they are afraid of it the supreme divine of course can and man can rise to that glory but that has thou ended all desirable things in yes. stillness alone and unfriendly there is so much too manifest are you fine with this loneliness <laughs> what a beautiful only is calm so sweet 
Is our close tranquility only? Is that the end of all creation at the end to merge in that calm? Cold are the rivers of peace and their banks are leafless and lonely. Heavy is Godhead to bear with its mighty sun burden of luster. You know, saying to Anna that how can you remain bearing this burden inside your heart, the burden of light? It must escape, it must come down. Art thou not weary of only the stars in their solemn muster? Sky hung the chill bare plateaus and peaks where the eagle rejoices. In the inhuman height of his nesting, solitude's voices making the heart of the silence lonelier, strong and untiring, deaf with the cry of the waterfall, lonely, the pine lives aspiring. And then he gives a very beautiful, powerful lines. Two are the ends of existence. Two are the dreams of the mother. So he feels that there is one end where yes, you are living yes, with your loneliness yes, yes. and here there is a multitudinous, rich, complex life. Heaven unchanging, earth with her time beats yearn to each other. They need to complete each other. Therefore, Ahana must come as a bridge. Earth souls needing the touch of the heavens, peace to recapture. Heaven needing earth's passion to quiver its peace into rapture. How beautiful these two lines yes, are. Yes. Read again. Earth souls needing the touch of the heavens, peace to recapture. Heaven needing earth's passion to quiver its peace into rapture. Marry, O lightning eternal, the passion of a moment born fire. Out of thy greatness, draw close to the breast of her mortal desire. So that you know, he's invoking, they are invoking Ahana to come and inhabit this mortal heart full of tumult and passion and cry of desire. Says so you come, then you will, your peace will change into rapture. Otherwise, there is peace. But how will you express manifest ananda except through creation? Shubindo says that peace is the sign of the divine presence and ananda, the presence of the divine mother. She brings that because she brings creation and the manifoldedness of life. And then, you know, in India we have this, uh, these two great godheads, Shiva and Krishna. So Shiva is the godhead who is like everything must end into him. He, he is the absolute who, who destroys all creation or rather draws it back to him. This is one image of Shiva. And he, those who follow that line of approach, they regard earth as a vanity, an illusion. And what is true? Only Shiva. Shivoham, Shivoham. So here is, here are these lines dedicated to Shiva. Is he thy master? Rudra the mighty? Shiva ascetic? Is he your master? In whom thou dwellest? Has he denied thee his world? In his dance they tell of ecstatic. So, but Shiva also is the lord of dance, Nataraj. You know, it's a very mm. interesting story about Shiva. Uh, how he first expresses this mood. 
he expresses this mood when he comes to woo Parvati. So he suddenly dances and they can't make out. He is such a superb dancer. So on one side there is the image of the ascetic. On the other side there is the image of the cosmic dancer who is measuring the spaces of time and thereby manifesting things which are held back within his bosom. And there are two of his dances. One is when he dances alone. The dance of destruction, it's called as Tandav. Of course, there are many sides to Tandav, but just by and large, it's the dance of destruction. And another dance is when he does the Tandav with Parvati, then it becomes the dance of new creation, Lasya. That's why the mother has spoken of Shiva as the Lord of Transformation. Because he destroys and at the same time he new creates through Lasya. So these voices are telling Ahana, that is he your master, Shiva the ascetic? But we have heard that he also dances ecstatically. What about that dance? Slaying, creating, calm in the midst of the movement and madness. Stole there no rhythm of an earthly joy and a mortal sadness? Does he not know what we go through? He is the one who has created this whole world. How can he be unaware of mortal sadness? Was thou not made in the shape of a woman? Sweetness and beauty move like a song of the gods in thy limbs and to love is thy duty. So you know they are literally reminding how can you forsake us? You have the heart of a woman who knows to love and love only. So you know it's a, actually the whole poem is an invocation to the Divine Mother. Divine Mother coming as the dawn goddess. Graved in thy heart as on tablets of fate, joy's delicate blossom sleeps in thy lids of delight, all nature hides in thy bosom, claiming her children unborn, and the food of her love and her laughter. Is he the first? Speaking of Shiva, is he the first? Was there none then before him? Shall none come after? He who denies and his blows beat down on our hearts like a hammers. He whose calm is the silent reply to our passion and clamors. Is there no other Godhead? Is he the supreme deity, the absolute? Now I shouldn't disclose this but, but you know many of us are aware that this poem starts with Shiva and ends with Krishna. So you know this is the, <laughs> I can't help it you know. <laughs> so mm. Uh, he has raised this question, are you the ultimate? Is there none else? Of course, Shivabindu has said, Shiva and Krishna are a single God. So, in us to Shiva drinks the world's grief and pain. In us to Krishna sports with joy and seeks for sweetness and love. So, you know, there's two sides of one Godhead. Is not their deity greater here newborn in a noble labor and sorrow and struggle? then stilled into rapture, immobile. So this is actually, uh, you know, uh, this conception of avatar. In India, there are two um, kinds of avatars. One who follow the line of Shiva. There is a whole line of avatars which the Shaivites will talk about. And they are the ones who basically come to remind us that, you know, this creation is basically vanity and what is true is the absolute. 
So majority of ascetics who have come to, you know, even now many masters, they follow the line of Shiva. But there are another kind of avatars who follow the line of Vishnu. And they come to carry the evolutionary march of mankind forward. What is called in in the Gita as Lok Sangrahar. So everyone who strives to labor and struggle to make this earth a better place in whatever way carries in him something of the light of Krishna. And everyone who wants to withdraw from this labor and struggle, calling it vanity, is basically drawn by the mood of Shiva or rather the ascetic mood of Shiva. And now these beautiful lines that we who regard or people hastily convict earth as a vanity of vanities because Ahana may not know what is there on earth. So these seekers are reminding her, earth has beatitudes warmer than heavens that are bare and undying. Marvels of time on the crest of the moments to infinity flying. Earth has her godheads. Heaven has its own godheads, but earth has its own godheads and they are not found in the heavens. So all this, of course, in Indian and Greek mythology and now we'll have a number of Greek gods who inhabit the earth. So, you know, there is a godhead of the river, godhead of water, there are sea nymphs, there are gods of the mountains, there are gods of the woods, of the forest. So all these are typically found on earth because they are the spirit of all that is evolved on earth. So all the names of these godheads we will hear. Earth has her godheads. The tritons sway on the toss of the billows. Emerald locks of the Nereids stream on their foam-crested pillows. So the god of the sea and the godheads of the river. Dryads peer out from the branches. So she is the godhead of the trees. Naiads glance up from the waters, the water nymphs. High are her flame points of joy and the gods are ensnared by her daughters. That... Such are the such is the beauty of earth that particularly in Greek mythology we see and even in some Indian mythology that the gods are attracted by the earth ball. So there in Greek mythology of course they are well known though they have been presented in a very crude way that you know Zeus falls in love with this girl and you know assumes the form of a beast. In Indian thought the stories are little less crude but to an unchastened mind they appear as crude that in one of the story. Indra is attracted to a earthborn woman called Ahilya. And so much so that he assumes the form of her husband to come and spend some time with her. Now, what is it that draws the gods to the earth? And Mother has said it's the psychic principle because that contains within itself the possibility of love that no other being on any other world can experience. And they must take birth. Yes, they must take birth to experience it. The gods and the titans both are drawn. The Rakshasa is drawn because he feels that sweetness in the very flesh and body of human beings. And uh, the gods are drawn because they feel in the soul a greatness and glory which they cannot experience. So there was a story shown on, you know, these gods are drawn to earth. Um, There was a film in the playground based on a story where Anusuya, she is a Sati and she has risen to great heights that even she surpasses the gods and the gods can't accept this. How can a human being greater than the gods? So all the three gods, Shiva, Vishnu and Brahma, they come to test her and they test her by saying that, can you feed us something? She says, yes, sure. Oh, yes, 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 but feed, feed us yeah. completely 
in a state of nudity and make us sit in your lap and feed us. Now, you know, she has to be extremely inwardly lifted to great heights where all measures have fallen and yet there is purity to do this. So, that's all is your condition. Come, come, come. You're my babies. Be as babes on my knees. And they sit and they become babes. Of course, the consciousness of a child. Like a mother, she feeds them, puts them to sleep. So, the story has a very funny ending that suddenly the three goddesses realize that where have my our husbands gone? They haven't come back. It's long. <laughs> so, they come rushing and say, did you notice these three fellows who came? Oh, those fellows, were they your husbands? I put them to sleep after giving them some milk and they are lying in the room. Find out who is yours and take it, take him along. So when mother saw this story, she, she saw the film, she laughed yeah. a lot. She was very amused. Then she made a comment about this story. She says, there is, this is so true that only human beings can love this way. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this uh, lady... Anusuya's love, human love. She loved her husband Atri in such a powerful way that nothing could come in the way. I mean, even an action which otherwise would be, you know, impossible. So she says only human beings can love this way because they have the psychic being inside them. And even gods don't have it, so gods are also drawn. Sri Aurobindo talks about Stephen Phillips. Yes. In his great poem, Marpesa, in which... Apollo yes. sees Marpessa on earth yes. and wants to marry her. Yes. Yes. And it's a great poem. You should all read it. Sri Aurobindo gives high praise to Phillips on this, uh, on this poem. Because there's a choice for this woman of a man on earth or the god. Who does she choose? I won't tell you more. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting. So you must read you have the story of Cassandra. Yes. And she loses her head because Apollo, you know, is drawn to her. And she suddenly gets the sight. She can see the future, but Apollo curses her because she had a different intent in the heart that you will foresee the future always, but nobody will believe it when you speak wow. about it. So Cassandra is, of course, Priam's daughter. She keeps telling them, I see Troy burning and being raised to the ground. And they all say, you are mad. And eventually that's what happens. <laughs> so, yeah. so they are very interesting stories, you know. <clears throat> Gods are ensnared by her daughters. So we, you know, this line, Artemis calls as she flees through the glades and the breezes pursue her. She is the goddess of the forest, yes. the hunter. They, you know, pray to Artemis. So as she is running, she is pursued by the winds. Cypress laughs in her isles where the ocean winds linger to woo her. Here thou shalt meet amid beauty forgotten the dance of the graces. Night shall be haunted forever with strange and delicate faces. We experience also the beauty of the night and the gods above don't know it. There is a beauty even in the solemnity of the night. There is a prayer of Sri where he literally says, O night, be solemn and pregnant in us. See, even night carries its own beauty. So, you know, they are literally wooing her to come down. <laughs> These lines. Yes. Music is here of the fife and the flute and the lyre and the timbal. Such variety of instruments. 
wind in the forest so it doesn't you know music doesn't end with these human instruments wind in the forest bees in the grove springs ardent symbol thrilling the cry of the cuckoo the nightingale sings in the branches human laughter is heard and the cattle low in the ranches she's telling ahana you don't know what you are missing you know i am reminded of this woodrow um, wilson's daughter who nista margaret no yes uh, at 15 16 sitting in one of the forests she suddenly thinks ah, i wish uh, how i wish god could enjoy it the way i am enjoying it and suddenly she experiences that isha vasyam idam sarvam that great truth that indeed he is enjoying and she is filled with a real joy so literally saying that you don't know what you are missing there are joys on earth which you don't know of so you know please come so they are trying to lure her frankly and sweetly she gives to her children the bliss of her body breath of her lips and the green of her garments rain pourings heady tossed from her cloud carried beaker of tempest oceans and streamlets dawn and the mountain air cornfields and vineyards pastures and hamlets so you know it 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 goes on the beauty of earth tangles of sunbeams asleep mound dream depths twilights shadows there you know only light you don't know what it means to see the light play through the forest you don't know what it means you know what is twilight don't know the different expressions of light the moonbeam because she is dawn yeah she is dawn she is there when she comes all this vanishes they i mean on those heights taste and scent and the fruits of her trees and the flowers of her meadows life with a wine cup of longing under the purple of her tincture death as her gate of escape and rebirth and renewal of venture says that you you have no clue there is so much joy on earth but still we need you to make this joy endure and permanent because then it would be that why do you need the dawn goddess the problem is that it is transient and it passes away the touches of yeah. godhead this will come towards the end that all the joys and the you know glimpses of the divine we have in life they come touch a while and go they don't endure yeah. but if dawn if if ana can descend into our hearts and establish herself upon earth then they will endure forever so you see this is another approach buddha also sought permanent he was moved by the transience of things but he found the permanent above but she have been the ones to establish that permanent here upon earth joy love beauty peace knowledge they should not be marred by their opposites so still must they matter that all here is vision still must they mutter that all here is vision and passing appearance this is straight to the mayavadins yes that you guys don't know what life is and you simply say that it is maya it is you know illusion still must they mutter that all here is vision and passing appearance magic of maya with falsehood and pain for its only in- inheritance for its only inheritance here it treats inheritance yes it treats inheritance yes inheritance interesting one is there only apart in its greatness 
the end and beginning he who has sent through his soul's wide spaces the universe spinning one eternal time an illusion life a brief error one eternal master of heaven and of hell and its terror this is one kind of philosophy that we hear upon earth spirit of silence and purity wrapped and aloof from creation dreaming through eons unreal his splendid and empty formation now you see a very subtle spiritual humor <clears throat> that there is one from whom all has emerged and he is simply dreaming dreaming what something which is unreal do you mean to say this is how brahman experiences this world spirit all wise in omnipotence shaping a world but to break it an omnipotent spirit creating a world which is so weak and fragile that must crush it and break it pushed by what mood of a moment the breath of what fancy to make it this of course should be in the several places as revealed to us yes. that what overtook brahman is maya so powerful that it could cloud brahman and create images out of it or if you say that there is not one but two brahman and maya then it's no more advaita it's dual you say there is brahman and there is nature or maya or call it whatever but if you say there is one then this question arises and this is a deep spiritual problem that you know how did that one get clouded to create this what many would call vanity then brahman was fell into error to start with and we suffer that error but brahman is pure all knowing all wise omnipotent how could it fall into error so this thing <laughs> you know none is there great but the eternal and lonely the unique and unmated bliss lives alone with the self pure the single the forever uncreated now these are the questions shobindo is raising through the voices of the seeker this is not shobindo's uh, philosophy because several times you know reading shobindo like in savitri when we read the voice of death uh, you know i have seen people quoting that you know this this what shobindo writes in savitri and you have to remind this is not shobindo but you know death of course shobindo is a total unity and much more so you can say that death is a part of that totality but uh, we must know the difference so this is not what shurbindo means but there is an aspect of creation which gives this mood solely we see here a world self made by some indwelling glory building with forms and events is strange and magnificent story yet at last has not all been solved and unwisdom demolished myth cast out and all dreams of the soul and all worship abolished and now he says that it's not only the spiritual thought that declares it a vanity even rational thought scientific thought so he's taking all these propositions step by step and then he will of course give the grand solution and this of course is another dig at reason all now is changed the reverse of the coin has been shown to us reason waking detecting the hoax of the spirit at last has arisen so all these dreams of beauty and grandeur and spirit this is the other side of maya <laughs> from that peak the ascetic's refusal 
that or denial, this is a maya, this is a vanity. From this end, there is nothing but nothingness out of which forms have emerged and all else that we experience are dreams and fantasy of a gland or a mind that has gone <laughs> empty of its contents. Yes. That too will come. Very powerfully put. And there is a lot of humor in it. If we, you know, read through it, a lot oh, of humor. Captured the truth and built round her its bars that she may not skedaddle. Skedaddle. Truth has this tendency to change appearances. So now finally reason has captured truth, put bars that no, no, this is fixed. You know, this is a very interesting, actual real humor about it. In, uh, in 1900, there was a meeting of the Science Congress. So there they declared, I think... Uh, was it Lord Kelvin? Most likely. He declared we know now everything that, you know, that is there. And just we need to solve two puzzles and we will know everything about everything. <laughs> now the very same year or perhaps the next year, this puzzle was solved. But when it was solved, thanks to Max Planck and Einstein, all the previous theory, you know, <laughs> boomerang, you know, it, it just collapsed under the weight of these two discoveries. Now again, towards the end of uh, the other century, we again have a theory of everything. <laughs> so, yeah, we have a movie out <laughs> called The Theory of Everything. Theory of Everything. So, you know, human mind, they finally I have got it. Yeah. And when it has got it, neatly tied it, put it inside a prison, here is truth, suddenly it escapes. So, skedaddle, what a word Sherbinder has used yeah. for truth. And, you know, and, and what a use of words. <laughs> and also... You know, when she's with the Madonnas. Yes. And the voice from the deep, yes. he says the same thing. I've almost got it. <laughs> got it. There's only one thing missing. Yes. <laughs> but see the humor here. Oh. You know, Shivindu could have used the word escaped or something else. Skedaddle. But skedaddle, you know, gives a touch of humor to the whole thing. That you create a prison of systems and theories around truth. And then it skedaddles, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a very Western word, yeah. too, in, yeah. in, in, in America. Yeah. And, yeah. And, then he, and then he... He combines saddle and gallop. Yes, with the whole look thing at it. Also. How does it go? Gallop again with a bit in her teeth. Fancy in the saddle. In the saddle. <laughs> you know, we talk about Shivinder's humor. It's there in Savitri, it's there in his poems. And it's what a subtle humor it is. That you know, you, you pictureize for a moment all the scientists discussing seriously a theory in a very serious environment. Finally, we have found it's the genes and you know, it's deoxyribonucleus acid. And while they are doing it, truth is taking a laugh and you know, skedaddling and galloping. He continues. <laughs> yes, he continues. Now have the wise men discovered that all is the craft of a super magic of chance and a movement of void and inconscient super. So here it says, <laughs> they have found it, the wise men. <laughs> oh. Now you see this line. Chance, by a wonderful accident, ever her ripples expanding, out of a gaseous circle of nothingness, implacably extending, freak upon freak, <laughs> freak upon freak, chance, accident, gaseous nothing, out of that the whole creation is emerging like a freak. I mean that's the only way you can explain it, if there is no consciousness in creation, 
then the only way you can explain it, these are freak events. There is no cause to it. This just happened. <laughs> Thus grew into a man and man into a sage. Well, by chance, by default, not by design. So, I asked Dr. Dalal one day about uh, the philosophers that he has met and spoken with. And I said, is the soul ever mentioned he said, not yet. <laughs> you know, one of the, you know, there are two comments which have always made me, you know, very uncomfortable, which have been given as compliments. And I have also always felt, ki, my God, this is the worst kind of <laughs> almost an abuse you can heap at someone. One is intellectual, second is philosopher. Oh, oh yes. you know, you are really a philosopher and I feel neck deep into <laughs> at the end of the day. Philosopher, oh my God! <laughs> when Shyobindu was told that you know about the philosopher, he says, "I have nothing of the philosopher in me." Mm. <laughs> so how did the life divine come? It were my experiences that I wrote. You may call it philosophy. Yeah. Then but he I said he could write a hundred, hundreds, or hundreds. That's of why in Indian thought it's called darshana. Darshan means what you see. You see it and you state it. So you may call it philosophy, you may call it fact. So it's simply a fact seen with another vision. Freak upon freak, repeating rigidly, marvels on marvels, <laughs> rigidly, <laughs> marvels on marvels, making a world out of nothing, started on the arc of a travels, nothingness born into feeling, and action dies back to nothing. Sea of a vague electricity romping through space curves and clothing strangely the void with a semblance of matter painfully flowered into his into this giant phenomenon universe man who has towered out of the plasm and struggled by thought to divinity's level man this miniature second creator of good and of evil. All this has come out of nothing. Man, the second creator, has emerged out of creation. And look at the next line. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He too was only a compost of matter, made living, organic, forged as her thinking tool by an energy blind and mechanic. (laughs) You know, so that's the end of the logic because if if man says by logic that all this is chemistry, then the man who is saying all this itself is debatable and doubtful because he's nothing but gas and plasma chemistry. <laughs> so what is the validity of knowledge of something which is simply a gaseous phenomena born out of accidents and chance? So, you know, this logic comes full circle and it's come to that point and doesn't halt there, once by an accident, queer, but quite natural, (laughs) provable, simple. That's how it is said, you know, for at least when I was studying uh, chemistry, they said that for for 50 years, they've been experimenting to create life, you know, by creating conditions Mm -hmm. through chemicals, but they didn't succeed. So, you know, you can create, you can try it for uh, decades, but because that's not how life emerged. Life got involved into matter and then it emerged by pressure. And Shubindo says that, that one day science will know how matter was created out of life. When you know it, you will have the secret of creating life. But thankfully it doesn't reveal anything more. 
and thankfully many people have not read shirobindo at least you know it's very good when mother was asked why are shirobindo's books uh, little costly and we should try to take out cheap editions because you know everywhere you see these books which are very cheap so mother cautioned shirobindo's books are not meant for everybody yes and we have to keep a certain level in every way those who are ready will find it and will get it so it's not by making it cheap and available like you know people give bible and geeta in every hospital and the poor patient is looking for a textbook of medicine <laughs> which can tell him what is his problem <laughs> and you know it's kept as his solace on the left and the right and he flip flops i have seen this actually you know and patients don't know whether bible will save him or the geeta will save him <laughs> perhaps it's too late for either <laughs> so look at these lines <laughs> once by an accident queer but quite natural provable simple out of blind space not last into life wearing mind as its wimple wimple oh my god you know the nuns yeah where the wimple yeah <laughs> dupe of a figment of consciousness doped with behavior and feature matter deluded claimed to be spirit and sentient creature all the high dreams man has dreamed and his hopes and his deeds his soul's greatness are but a food seeking animals acts with the mind for their witness mind machine for the flickers of thought matters logic unpremised are but a singular fireworks chemistry lacking the chemist <laughs> so, <laughs> whole world without a maker in last few lines then we'll stop yeah matters nervous display the heart's passion this sorrow and burning fire of delight and sweet ecstasy love and its fathomless yearning boundless spiritual impulses making us one with world being outbursts of vision opening doors to a limitless scene gases and glands and the genes and the nerves and the brain cells have done it this is the philosophy of a mechanical science and you know in now people have begin to speak about it and the word used is an evolutionary gap where you try to explain the thing that has emerged on the basis of what was and there is a big gap like you know consciousness emerging out of unconscious yes, things yes. genes are unconscious but the brain is conscious so how can you know gene create that so it's a it's a big puzzle and now because of that consciousness is coming entering the mainstream through gaps in our knowledge and our understanding just a few lines below we'll read then we'll stop <clears throat> all the magnificent planning all the inquiry and blunder and wonder only a trick of the atom it's marvelous magical blunder who can believe it something or someone a force or a spirit conscious creative wonderful shaped out a world to inherit so we'll stop here and continue just you know it's so amazing this these rhymed couplets here. yes 
I mean, he uses such words in in so beautiful a way. It flows humor, like a river, lilting. Yes. It's a rhyme, actually. Yes, it's a rhyme. Yeah, it yes. flows like a lilting river. That's the impression I have every time I read Ahana and Ilion. Ilion is also in hexameter. Yeah. Yeah. It just flows like this. The image comes of a gentle river pacing yeah. down the waves undulating, <clears throat> and you just ride on the waves and go through it. <laughs> So we'll meet again.